Well, welcome to our final week of our Earth, Wind and Fire series that I've been sharing over the last little while. As you know, it has nothing to do with the 1970s rock band, but it has everything to do with the person and work of the Holy Spirit from Genesis all the way to where we're stopping today is on the day of Pentecost. And so, I don't know if you've noticed, but this theme of messages I've been sharing has gone all the way back since April. And we're talking about the events from Jesus' resurrection to his ascension and to him sending his Holy Spirit. So we're going to watch a short video that will hopefully get you up to speed with the broader narrative of this story. One of the earliest accounts about Jesus of Nazareth, his life, death and resurrection, was written by a man named Luke. We know it as the Gospel of Luke. But Luke continued the story in a second volume. Called the Book of Acts. And it's all about what Jesus continued to do after his resurrection. Acts begins with the disciples who are hanging out with Jesus, who's just come back to life, which is mind-blowing to imagine. And then for weeks, the risen Jesus kept teaching them about his upside-down kingdom, the new creation that he launched through his death and resurrection. This is exciting stuff, and the disciples are ready to go tell the world. But then Jesus tells them to wait and to stay in Jerusalem until they receive a new kind of power so they can be faithful witnesses to Jesus and his kingdom. Then he says that their mission is going to begin in Jerusalem, then move out to Judea and Samaria, and then from there out into the nations. It's like a roadmap for the whole book of Acts. Then the disciples saw Jesus enthroned as king of all creation. So the disciples wait, wondering when this power is going to come. And then comes the time of Pentecost. So this is an ancient Israelite festival during the early summer and thousands and thousands of Jewish pilgrims would come back to Jerusalem from all over the world, all these different languages and cultures colliding in the city. And the disciples are together in a house which is suddenly filled with rushing wind along with fire. Fire splinters off into tongues of fire hovering over people's heads. What's this all about? Yeah, so Luke is tapping into a repeated Old Testament theme. When God's presence showed up similarly at Mount Sinai, he made a covenant with Israel and gave them the Ten Commandments. Then later, when God's glory came in a pillar of fire, it filled the tabernacle when he came to live among them. That was just one pillar of fire, not many. Exactly. Luke's making an important point here. This is God's personal temple presence, God's spirit that was foretold by Israel's prophets. And now it's come to take up residence in the new temple of Jesus' body, that is, his people. They've become little mobile temples where God now dwells. I found that video really helpful as we think of the big picture of the Gospels and how it flows into the Book of Acts, especially the work of the Holy Spirit. And it also helps paint a backdrop into the message that I want to share today as we wrap up my theme. Because God's plan from the beginning was that God's children would fill the earth. That was the nature of the first commission, that they would be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. And it's also the nature of the great commission, that they would go into all the earth and make disciples. So in the first commission in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, we read that God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it rain over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. There's two words I want to point out to you in this verse here. Uh, The first word is the word govern. The the Hebrew word for that is korbosh. And it infers that God gave Adam and Eve the power to take control and bring things into water. That was the word govern. The other word is the word rain. The Hebrew word for that is radar. And that infers not only did they have the power to bring things into order, God gives them the authority to take dominion and rule. 
So in the first commission, we see that God gave mankind an assignment, but he also gave them power and authority to fulfill it. Now, in the Great Commission, Jesus also gives his disciples an assignment. And he gives them, he says, all authority has been given to me. So he gives them an assignment. He gives them his authority. But it seems they're lacking something else. And I'm sure you can guess what it is. It was power. In fact, Jesus would go on to say that the power was so essential to the commission and the call that I have for you. That in Luke 24 verse 49, Jesus says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Jesus understood the nature of the calling that he has for his disciples. And for us today, it's so important that it's essential that we are filled with power from his Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the disciples had Jesus' command and his authority, but he told them to wait for power. Jesus made it very clear, the power that they need to accomplish the task doesn't come from anywhere else, but from heaven itself. It's God's Holy Spirit. And he would say the Holy Spirit would come upon them. Now the word come upon them, that's uh, for those that were reading this story or this account, Come upon them is an Old Testament language. It's, it's referring back to something that happened with the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament. And so the early church had some understanding of who the Holy Spirit was. And that's been the nature of this series. And so the first one I'd want, I have talked about is wind. The, old, the early church was familiar where, with the passages where God's Spirit was described as wind. Or the Ruach of God, or the, the breath of God, the Spirit of God. It was his breath that brought life into creation and into mankind. It was his breath that came from the throat of heaven that came upon men, women, prophets, leaders, kings. He breathed on them. He he filled them. He came upon them. He, He anointed them. He gave them extraordinary skill. He gave them supernatural insight. He gave them amazing strength. He gave them courage. He gave them all these things through his very presence, his ruach, his spirit that came upon them. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, the prophet writes, Then he said to me, This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength. Your Bible might say, not by might nor by power. goes on to say, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God was reminding Zerubbabel, who was the leader God appointed, that victory, favor, breakthrough doesn't come by human efforts. It's only through God's, God's spirit at work in them. And so the ability for for us to accomplish all that God asks us to do does not come from our own wisdom or our own cleverness or anything we can bring. What God calls us to do, the power and what we need to accomplish that can only come from His Spirit at work in us, the Ruach of God. One more passage about the Ruach, the wind of God. Isaiah 61 verse 1. Isaiah writes, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor had come. Now you might know that's a very very familiar passage because Jesus himself quoted Isaiah in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus stood before the, 
the, the temple, the ga- group gathered around him and said, this passage is referring to him. And so he said, the spirit of God, the Ruach of God, the breath of God, the life-giving energy and purpose of God, the hand of God was upon him to bring comfort, to bring peace, to bring hope, to bring healing. And then Jesus gives his disciples the same commission in John chapter 20, verse 21. In the last half of 21, just as the Father sent me, I send you. And then Jesus took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. You see, we are given, the disciples were given the same commission of Jesus. And what Jesus did, like his father before him, Jesus breathed upon his creation. Jesus breathed upon his followers and he breathed life. He breathed vitality, energy and power. The Ruach of God, the breath of God, the wind of God, the power of God. We've also talked about fire. And so fire in the Old Testament signified the very personal presence of God. God showed Abraham through fire that that God was a covenant keeper, a promise keeper. We see through fire that God would uh, capture Moses' attention in in that burning bush. And God would through fire call Moses to lead his people out of captivity into freedom. We see that God would lead the nation of Israel through the wilderness by his personally, personally went with them through fire, a pillar of fire. God also met Moses on Mount Sinai and, and he, he brought to Israel his personal presence and he described to Israel what relationship would look like for them. And there was a whole series of rules and sacrifices and a religious system that was temporary. And we know when Jesus came, that was, that was all completed. And Jesus brought a new covenant. We also see that God, through fire, cleansed Isaiah from shame and guilt as that hot coal touches lips. Zechariah chapter 2 verse 5 is a wonderful scripture. It says, then I, this is God talking, I myself will be a protective wall of fire around Jerusalem, says the Lord, and I will be the glory <coughs> inside the city. What a great verse. Can I encourage you that God is promising to be a protective wall of fire around you? And we, as we look at fire, we discover God's presence was awesome. It was powerful. It was cleansing. It was holy. It protected. It refined. It purified. But as you read the Old Testament, God's personal presence was limited to a certain group of people at a certain time for certain people, uh, for certain periods and purposes. Now, that was about to change when Jesus came. Now, John the Baptist said this about Jesus, Luke chapter 3, verse 16. But John intervened, I'm baptizing you here in the river, but the main character in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom of life, a fire, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. What an amazing scripture. John here is talking about baptism. And the word baptize, it means to immerse or it means to dip and a... Uh, a reference to baptism is, strangely enough, by the word, what they do to pickle a cucumber, in which they would take a cucumber, they'd dip it in hot water, and then they would put it in vinegar. And that process in ancient literature was called baptizing them. And that was changing the very nature of what was being baptized. I hope that helps you when you think of baptism next time. So, 
Now we are here. The, the scene is now set. Jesus has left the earth, returned to heaven, and before he left, he gave his disciples as what we know as the Great Commission. But before they go, Jesus said, you've got to wait. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 tells us, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, the early church needed something that we need every day. The early church needed power from heaven. They needed power to accomplish the task that God has set before them. And that's exactly what was going to happen to them on the day of Pentecost. So we go to Acts chapter 2 verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, in this very moment, we see heaven open. We see God's Ruach and God's fire, God's spirit and God's fire invading our world. We see God's presence and God's power flowing from the throne of heaven and filling that upper room. In that moment, God's presence came. God's very personal presence came and rested on every single one of them. In that moment, God had, in that moment, Jesus had sent the gift that he talked about before, the gift that the Father had promised. In that moment, Jesus fills them with his Holy Spirit. In that moment, Jesus baptizes them with the Holy Spirit. He dips them, immerses them, transforms them in the Holy Spirit and with fire. In that moment, they receive power from heaven. And in that moment, they experience the powerful presence of God in a personal way and in a life-changing way. <coughs> in that moment, Jesus ignited within them kingdom life fueled by the person and power of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing passage of Scripture. And the book of Acts, as you read the book of Acts, it, it shows us what a church can look like when this happens. And how a church that is filled with ordinary people like you and like me, how a church filled with God's presence, empowered by His Spirit, how a church can change the world. It's an amazing thought that God's plan for the church has not changed. And as we think about this, it was about 10 days from Jesus' ascension when he went back to heaven to the day of Pentecost. It was 10 days where, the, where Jesus told him, just, just wait and in a few days you'll receive the gift. It was sort of like waiting when you've ordered something off Amazon or off, uh, off, off the internet and you're, you're waiting for your, the delivery and you're, you're checking. In fact, just this week, one of my kids was waiting for something and every day they're, they're up in the morning and they're checking their screens. Is it being delivered today? Is this the day that what I've paid for is going to come? Is this the day when the promise, the gift that's coming for me is going to be here? And that's what's happening. These guys for 10 days after the resurrection, they waited, they'd gather expectantly waiting. Is this the day that Jesus would give us the gift? Is this the day that Jesus would give us power? And so for 10 days, they were seeking God. 10 days, they were gathering together. 10 days, they were waiting in faith. Now, they had no idea. Unlike the order that you might place on the internet, these uh, disciples, this early church had no idea 
what the gift or what power would look like. They didn't know what exactly they were waiting for, but they were open to whatever, however, and whenever God would act and God would touch them. Now, as we read this, we see that everyone present was filled. And so out of the 120, we see that everyone that was there was filled. No one missed out. But you think about this, those who weren't there, they didn't receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so if they weren't pre- if they were present, they received the gift. And Acts would go on to record how those disciples would go throughout Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. And when they came across believers who hadn't received the Holy Spirit, they would simply lay hands on them and they would receive the gift the Father had promised, how they also became filled. Now, as a church, we believe that God not only sent His Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost to fill and empower the church, we believe passionately that God still wants to do that today, that God continuously wants to see His church filled with His presence and His power, that God wants to see His his disciples, his, his children, baptized, immersed, and transformed like a pickle by his, maybe not like a pickle, but transformed by his Holy Spirit. God is looking to the time when his children would understand their calling and their identity for who he's called them to be and the gift of the Spirit he's given us, that we would then take the message that he entrusts us from where we're at ultimately to the ends of the earth. And we are fueled to, we, we are enabled to do that by his wind and his fire. Earth, wind, fire. His plan, the earth. His power, the wind. His presence, his fire. You know, I'm really excited by that. And I really believe that God wants to fill each one of us right now with power. No matter where you are, it might be the first time, maybe you've never been filled with uh, the power of God. Maybe you've never had the opportunity to receive or to understand or to, or to ask God to be filled with power. Maybe your first time, maybe your hundredth time, but God wants to keep filling us until we are overflowing with His presence and overflowing with an understanding of who He is. And our overflow will then touch many others around us. Now, how do we... How do we receive this? How do we walk in this? Well, the early church, they, they recognized they needed power. Jesus told them they knew that. And so they wanted to be obedient. They recognized they need power. And then they trust what Jesus said about his Holy Spirit. And then the early church was open to whatever, however, and whenever God would touch them. I think there's three helpful things. We need to, if you are needing God's power in a greater way in your life, for whatever you're facing right now, it's available to us. And and the, the, what we can learn from the early church, we need to recognize we need it, trust that God's Spirit is good and He's available to touch us and keep filling us and be open to what that looks like in our lives. And then as we can do that individually and, and corporately as a church, through His Spirit, through His Spirit alone, that we, that you and I, can continue the work that Jesus has given us, that work that we can bring good news to the poor, that we can, we can bring sight to the blind, we can bring healing to the broken, we can bring freedom to the captives, we can bring favor to God's children, and we can bring hope to all those that oppress, are oppressed. Friends, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. There's so much more about His Holy Spirit 
that I've only just scratched the surface of. But I've been praying that these messages have been opening your eyes perhaps, maybe for the first time or maybe been refreshing you and reminding you that God's Spirit is available to each one of us to fill us with His power, to make us aware of His presence and, and all that His presence does in our lives to cleanse us and purify us and empower us and to give us courage and hope. God's presence is available for each one of us today. Sometimes, back to these very first series, sometimes we, we just disconnect. We think we can run on battery power forever. And like my laptop that's sitting here and the battery's still running a bit low, if we don't plug ourselves back in, we have very little to give. And so I believe God wants to fill you. First time, maybe. Hundredth time, maybe. God wants to see his children continually filled that we will be able to accomplish what Jesus has for us. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to close this service. There's going to be a song come up after this. And as this song is played, I want you just to, to close your eyes if you'd like to and just think about those words and pray that God's Spirit will just refresh you and fill you and overflow you once again. So Father God, I just thank you uh, for your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Jesus, that you told us that you were going to leave us and it's better for us that you went because when you go, you would send your Holy Spirit to us, not to be with us any longer, but to be in us. And Father, I thank you that your desire is that your children will be filled to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that, that even now that you would come again, that you would come with a fresh touch. Lord, for those who maybe never experienced the filling of your Holy Spirit, that where they are right now at home or in the car or Whatever they're doing as they listen, Lord, I pray that they would know that your presence and your power and your breath and your life and your fire, everything that you have for them is available through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I would pray that you fill them. I pray you fill their houses. I pray you fill their homes. I pray that you would come and you would saturate them in your presence, that you would baptize them and transform us, Lord, daily by your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand all that you have for us through your Holy Spirit and that we as a church would take hold of that and understand the work of your Holy Spirit isn't just for us, but is to transform us so that we would go and, and, and speak a word of transformation to those around us. So, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. And I thank you that you are at work in us today. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
está.